morning, Rest Church. How are you? I absolutely love this video. Um, thank you, Adam. I love it. And guys, that song that you just sang, uh, man, thank you for that. That was awesome. Uh, that's one of my oldies. Uh, I remember I used to, had this old Bronco, and I would work underneath it. And this song would come on, and I would just play the, <laughs> and I saw a neighbor come up. <laughs> Whoa. What's up, man? I mean, thankfully, I was covered like grease and oil, so I still like retain my manliness. But um, I've got to get two things out of the way. Uh, one thing, um, I, don't, I don't want anybody, everybody to sing. Tasha, where are you? Right, hey, happy birthday. Everybody just say happy birthday. Hey, uh, she gets super embarrassed, so I had to make sure that happened. The other thing I have to do is this, and I'll explain it afterwards. You ready? This is like super big. Hold on. <clears throat> I have this thing, like, after I have a cold for, like, six months, all you guys can attest to this because whenever we get sick, it just really hits us really hard, you know? Well, for six months after I have a cold, a common cold, I have to clear my throat, and I try to make it as subtle as possible, so I go, <clears throat> and Summer does this, <clears throat> Summer, help me out, do it, do it. <clears throat> Anyway, I just, I had to get it over, because I, before I came up with the stage, I was like, <clears throat> anyway, kind of funny. So, um, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming this morning. Uh, it is humbling that you guys come, and it is even more humbling when you keep coming back, so thank you. Uh, so today, we are going to be continuing in Romans, and it's interesting, because um, somebody came up to me and saw this mic on my head, and they went, see, I told you. I knew it. I was like, you knew what? That I'd be preaching today? She said, yes. And I said, because of the verses? She went, yep. So <laughs> I'm not going to like get there just yet, but you'll see why here in just a second. So we're continuing this book of Romans, probably one of my, my favorite books uh, in all of the Bible. But, but Paul, uh, who is known as like the dude of grace, man, like grace to you, grace to you, grace to you. He starts this book with the wrath of God. I mean, and if, if you are really engaged with what he's saying, like, it is scary. But it's just wrath, 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 wrath. I mean, all of this sin, here it all is, and you're guilty of some part of it. Like, like dude, you are guilty. Like, this wrath is for you. And so, the reason behind it is because this grace that is going to follow cannot be fully understood until you 100% understand the wrath of God, the righteous wrath of God that is aimed at you, and this righteous wrath of God that all of us 100% deserve. So, he, he begins with God's wrath for the purpose of helping us fully understanding his unfathomable grace. But then this, this message, it shifts. It shifts from wrath to grace. And Cody got to kick it off with Romans 3.21. So Paul introduces this justification that's achieved not by works, but by faith. And then chapter 4 comes, and Adam kicks it off for us. And he introduces Abraham, the father of faith. And this, this guy... Um, that was led to being credited as righteousness or a right standing before God. And then Carl comes 
presenting David's faith. And this, this righteous standing you know, that, that Paul uses David as an example of is like, dude, like you are righteous regardless of your sin. <laughs> and, and I said that this morning, uh, like for anybody that sits under me, like I really try to, to, to beat into everybody's heads that while this world is set up on a performance-based acceptance, God is diametrically opposed to the way that the world operates. And so you are not on a performance-based acceptance with him. And thankfully, that is the case because I got to be the guy that follows the message that this guy delivers last week. I'm like, with the text that I have too. I mean, come on, dude. So here is that topic again. And it is me <clears throat> intentionally up here again Circumcision. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, whenever you know that you're going to be speaking on something like like you get your you get your mind right, you study the scriptures that you have. I mean, I've got like four verses, so there is going to be information coming from somewhere else. Hopefully, from the scriptures. It better be from the scriptures, like into this text that you're looking at. So. Man, I'm just meditating on this. So I'm like, I mean, like how much can a guy in 2023 talk about circumcision? At least, at least twice. <laughs> thank, yeah, thank you for that. I mean, I'm no medical professional. I mean, I have a gist of the medical reasoning. You know, uh, I have been, um, you know, a student of the word for a long time, so I have a decent understanding of, of the, um, like, God's perspective behind it, but I mean, in 2023, like, what more can I give you this morning? Um, so, so as I'm thinking, it's like, man, I could go to some Old Testament stories. Man, there's some great ones, right? So, like, King Saul's got this daughter, and man, and David really wants her, right? And so Saul's like, all right, all right, all right. So, and, and Saul hates David. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send him out for, an, for a, an impossible mission that this dude will be killed. He's like, all right, David, you, you want my daughter? Here's what you got to do. I want you to go out, and I want you to kill 100 Philistines and, um, you, you know, and bring me back the ring as proof. And so what does he do? He brings back 200. Um, I could go to all of these different cases and all of these different stories of circumcision. So do I do that? Do I threaten again my future son-in-law with a public circumcision? I totally would. Dude, I left my Rambo knife at home. My backpack is back here, and I've got a... No, i got a knife. It, it, so, but in all seriousness, though, there's got to be something here that is worthy of our time. There is a reason that Paul put this in the New Testament scriptures. There has got to be like something there for us. So, what you got to know in this New Testament book of Romans. As a matter of fact, as you're looking at any book, you have to look at who the recipient of that letter was. And in this case, it is both the Jews and the Gentiles. And so when I'm thinking about this, like, like 
God is beginning to, to reveal to me some of the truth that he's writing here. And it's pretty awesome, especially that, uh, that we are in this building with this group of people, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So his primary audience, I believe, in this passage is primarily to the Jewish believers. But, it, but at the same time, not only is he speaking to like the Jews, like assume they're in like this middle section here, but at the same time that he is addressing these Jewish people, we have these Gentiles off to the side, and while this message is to the Jews, at the same time, it is to the hearing Gentiles as well, and that includes us today. So, the purpose, like on the one hand, like he's, he's putting the Jewish people like in their place, and it's not necessarily like reprimanding them, but he's showing them this misconception that has been taught for ages. He is righting a wrong. So, and on the other hand, he's also speaking to these Gentile believers, like to you and to me, and he's making sure that we know this. You are no less important because you're not a Jew. You are no less important, important because you're different. You are no less important, hear me, rest church, you are no less important because you are an outsider. So let's, let's read this text. I mean, this is like the longest intro I've ever had. And I, this, this is actually my favorite part um, <laughs> of this whole sermon. But, but let's read this, and then we'll get back into the introduction. Are you with me, Rest Church? Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, Romans 4, we're going to be in 9 through 12. I'm going to try to keep it under an hour. Verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the circumcised? For we say that faith was counted or credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Why I keep, gotta keep saying that word? I'm sorry. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. In verse 12, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had when he was circumcised. That will be the last time that word is used so frequently in rest church. It had better be. <laughs> At least in Petuka. Oh my gosh. So, like, like throughout the week as I'm really letting these words sink in, when I'm really like, like letting the, like, these verses like really speak their meaning to me, not some supernatural thing, but just why, Paul? Why, dude? Why? Why the C word so often? Why so much? Where I thought I was going to go, like where the focus of the message that I thought I was going to be focused on completely changed. And I got so excited, which is why this introduction is so long. So I asked myself this question as I'm, as I'm thinking about these verses. Like, what is the overarching theme of these four verses. Dude, like Paul, 
what are you getting at, bro? <laughs> Why? Why circumcision again? Why are you bringing this up again? It's because it's important. And the reason is this. The overarching theme of this passage that we just read is not necessarily circumcision, circumcision again, but it's the main point. And the main point of today's message is this. Circumcision? Nah, bro. Grace again. I'm telling you, like, as you really study the scriptures, not just the book of Romans, it is unreal the amount of grace that God shows us. Unreal. And everything, everything, everything that he has for you and for me is this unfathomable grace. So there's grace in the circumcision. So, continuing the introduction, you, a follower of Christ, at the time that this book was written, you, a non-Jew, a Gentile, would have been considered unworthy, undesirable, an outsider. You wouldn't be part of the lucky ones on the top with all the breaks. Isn't that right, Summer? That was one of her favorite phrases back in the day. So, but, but think about this. Unworthy, undesirable, an outsider. Think about this. Like, think about your background, like your church, church history background. At any point, did you feel this way, unworthy? Like, every hand should be up in this place. Any time in your church history, did you consider yourself undesirable? Like, I cannot do anything to help this body of believers. Like, they wouldn't want me because of whatever. Anytime in your church history did you consider yourself an outsider? Man, if I could just go, I will pick up the scraps. I don't care. You were the uncircumcised. And, and the reality, like from this Jewish perspective, is you as a Gentile, me as a Gentile, like we are the uncircumcised. We are of the uncircumcision. So, when it comes to church, any church, your previous church, your childhood church, maybe even rest church, hopefully not, but have, have you ever had the feeling that you just don't belong? I know the feeling, because I've had it. And it's a feeling like this, like, can, can God even love me? Like, why? Why, why, why would he want to have anything to do with a guy like me? I mean, if we're being honest, we've all felt that way. And if you haven't, I'd love to shake your hand. And, and not just, like, out of spite, because, I mean, that's awesome that you've never been in that, in that mindset. But the reality is, like, you are an outsider. And, and I thought about this, and this is really cool. So, sometimes I feel like rest church not just the leaders, but the volunteers and everyone as well. It's like we're a bunch of outsiders. It's a good thing. So, <laughs> I mean, if you think back to, like, early rest church and, like, the dudes that planted this church, of course, you understand God planting it through them. I mean, we're a band of misfits, <laughs> right? <laughs> there you go. So, and I have a note here in all caps. I'm not going to shout it, but please, 
please, somebody make a rest misfit t-shirt. And when I'm saying please, somebody, like there's, hey, bro, rest misfit. I, I, sign me up. I want one. <laughs> oh, it's hot already. Here we go. <laughs> so, but, but we're misfits in this manner. We're misfits in that we have broken the church mold. We're misfits that are changing the norm that says this is how church is to be done. Anything else is sacrilegious. We're misfits with this deep love that we have for Jesus. We're misfits with a deep love for his word. We're misfits, this is crazy, looking closely at the scriptures for guidance. We're misfits that study. We're misfits that teach from the Bible without these religious blinders. We're outsiders. We're no less in the kingdom of God, but we're outsiders, guys. So here, so here, back in Romans 4, like the crux of the issue that Paul is addressing is this. You think that you're an outsider when it comes to being a child of God, but you are not. You're not. So what you have to understand to follow this passage in Romans is this. All throughout the scriptures, all throughout the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New, there's this distinction. There's this distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And it still does exist today, but you just, you just have to know this because you fall into one of those two categories. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. <laughs> Not a gentle. Um, you are either a desirable or an undesirable. You either are or you are not. You're either an insider, a part of the club, or you're an outsider, an untouchable. You might as well be a leper. And, but there's this misconception, and this is what Paul is addressing, that salvation is tied to or directly correlated with, hear me, Jewish descent, Jewish heritage, or, or Jewish bloodline. And he is going to write this wrong. So here in Romans 4, like he's presenting this case. He's proving a point. He's not creating some New Testament scriptures that we're to follow. But what he does is he uses the Old Testament. Again, remember, it seems like his primary audience is the Jews. And you better not come at me with anything new. Pull it from the Old Testament, buddy. And so he does. Obviously, beginning with Abraham and then moving to David. But he does this to prove that all believers, both Jewish, both Gentile, insiders and outsiders, all are descendants of Abraham, therefore children of God. I'll apologize for this. So this is probably going to be a lot like a Bible lecture um, instead of this motivational speech. Um, but it is my hope that God, the Holy Spirit, will continue to reveal to you the vastness of the gospel of his grace. Because when you thought that God's favor was unattainable, when you thought that God's love towards you was unreachable, when you thought that your history, maybe your extremely past or extremely present history, permanently excluded you, when you thought that your current situation branded you an outsider, 
you are dead wrong, and it is time to think again. Regardless of your circumstances, God's favor is attainable. Regardless of your circumstances, God's unconditional love is eternally present. Regardless of your circumstances, permanent forgiveness is within reach. And regardless of your circumstances, God's mercy is yours. If you don't agree with me, like, pull up the scripture, show me I'm wrong. So, the main point today is grace. Again, the intro's done, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the radical grace that you show us. I want to thank you for that mercy, that unending mercy that we need every day. Well, at least I do. I want to thank you for the permanent forgiveness that you offer to everyone. I want to thank you for Paul, uh, for you through Paul, like leaving this book for us, for us to study. I want to thank you for showing us what you're trying to say here in these verses. God, we give you this time. Pray that you use it to, to teach us, uh, to grow us up, to reach the lost, and ultimately, ultimately to glorify yourself. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, and I almost didn't bring one of these, and I'm glad I did. So, what I want to do today is take these four verses, and we're going to dissect them to see exactly what God is saying through Paul. So, Romans 4, 9 through 12, after presenting justification by faith using Abraham and David, Paul plants this argument. Again, who's he speaking to, church? Like, in the, in the center section, who's he speaking to? He's talking to the Jews, but the Gentiles are listening, okay? So he plants this argument in verse 9. Verse 10, in the first part of 11, he presents the evidence. And then in the second part of 11 and 12, he rests his case. And it is my prayer, my hope, that you can see this and that circumcision will mean something different for you today. So, the first portion. Introducing the argument. And he starts off with this. Put that slide up, please. Oh, no, the, the other one of uh, Uncle Lewis. They want you to say grace. <laughs> the blessing. The blessing. The blessing. Oh my gosh, thank you for that. And, and I just had like my notes, like, hey, I might like try to find this, and I gave up. I wasn't going to do it. And then uh, AB comes up to me today, and he says, dude, I found it. I put it in there. So, yes. So, <laughs> sorry, that's the child in me. The blessing. So, <laughs> Romans 4, 9, is the blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. So the first thing that he brings up and the first thing that I want to talk about is the blessing. So what is it? Carl talked about it last week uh, in Romans 4, 7, and 8. And it was actually a quote uh, from David's psalm in Psalm 32. So Romans 4, 7, and 8 says this, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered, 
Verse 8, blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. The blessing is forgiveness. The blessing is forgiveness. Well, forgiveness of what? The complete removal, not covering. Yes, I know it was quoted here and it says the covering of sins. But when was, when was that phrase, word, verse actually written prior to the cross, right? That payment had not come. So at that time, sins were covered. That's a long conversation. But here in Romans, Jesus has offered himself, paid the price. He's buried, resurrected his turn uh, to the temple in heaven, and he has offered his blood in the temple of heaven, the heaven, the payment for that sacrifice. So what is forgiveness? It is the complete removal of sin from your life and the penalty or the punishment that it required. But not only is it removed, it will be remembered no more. And this is a great study. Remembered no more? So what you have to know is this is not a statement that is lightly used throughout the Bible. It is both in the Old and the New Testament. In fact, it's repeated over and over and over. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some verses quickly. Uh, just try to keep up with me if you can. Um, from both the Old and the New Testaments. Here we go. Psalm 103.12. As far as the East is from the West... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Jeremiah 31, 34. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will, what? Remember their sin no more. Micah 7.19, He again will have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Acts 3.19, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 8.12, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 10.17, and I'm done. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. The blessing. The blessing. So I ask you, what is the overarching theme of these four verses? Grace again. Grace again. So Paul takes this thought, the blessing, and he moves to his next point. To whom? I don't say whom very often, but I put an am instead of who. To who he talking about? To whom was this blessing offered? <laughs> who is it available to? And here's that word again. I mean, we got to deal with it because it's there. Circumcision. So we learned about the significance of circumcision in Romans 2. Um, guys, I'm going to pause here for just a second. These things are being recorded. That's weird. 
but they're uploaded and YouTube has its own YouTube. Rest Church has its own YouTube channel where you can see all of these messages. If you really want to hear like my first installment on circumcision, do go to YouTube, look up Rest Church Paducah, and you can watch it. I'm not going to bring it up again, but we learned about the significance of circumcisions in Romans 2. It was a physical alteration to a male's body. I'm going to leave it at that. An alteration that a guy would see from time to time, follow, and it was a reminder of God's promise. Promise of what? The blessing. Forgiveness. Remembering those sins no more. So, but today we're going to be looking at this word in a different light. The difference is this. Circumcision is now not necessarily the removal of the ring. Go ahead and throw these up. It is this. This right, this wrong that Paul is going to be writing. Like this, this issue, he's going to go and get it out there in the open so that the hearers in this category, the Jewish people, and then the Gentiles off the side can see this. And I've got this, let me see. No, do you have some slides before that? If There we go. Okay, so this is, this is the misconception, okay? So we have man's view. So when they think circumcision, they're thinking circumcision of the flesh, which means if you've got that, like, bro, you're a Jew, you're an insider. And then the uncircumcision of the flesh you would be considered a Gentile. And so, like, again, you fall into one of these two categories. It has a, um, a physical as well as a spiritual meeting. But this is the physical. But this is what it can also mean. Throw up the next one. God's view. God's view is this. Yes, there is also a circumcision. And it's a circumcision of the heart. A believer, a follower of Christ. And then you have uncircumcision of the heart, which is a non-believer. And so, and this is really where Paul is going to lay out, say, this is where you're wrong. So you guys here, I'm not like getting on to you. What I'm doing, like, I'm not saying like you, like you guys sitting in these seats, like the, the Jews, like, listen, dude, we've got it wrong. These people sitting off to the side, these outsiders, like they're not outsiders. They're just different. So, remember, justification comes by what? Faith. Justification comes by faith. So, belief leads to faith. Faith leads to salvation. This circumcision issue is a non-issue, but we've got to address it so, pe- so we can understand. Romans 4, 9, A. Paul asks this question. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or the uncircumcised? Now remember, is he considering man's view of circumcision or God's? He's talking about man's. So what he's actually saying is this. Is this salvation, this blessing, is it available only to the Jews? Or is it also for the uncircumcised. In other words, is this blessing, forgiveness, is it also available to both Jews and Gentiles, both you and you? Hmm. 
So he's building this argument to set the record straight. Because again, it was taught for generations. Like, you had to be of the circumcision. You had to be a Jew or, yeah, you had to be a Jew to be saved or to receive the blessing. For God, from God's perspective, the term circumcision is now being taken out of context. Much of the audience associated circumcision with being a Jew. But when from God's perspective, circumcision is associated with being a believer, a believer in Christ. Just as Abraham was, he believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So, circumcision of the flesh or of the heart? Huge difference. Again, addressed in Romans 2. Go to our YouTube channel. So, basically, the question that Paul is really asking this, is salvation available to both the insiders or the insiders as well? And then now, in my opinion, we arrive at probably the most important statement of these four verses, and it's the second part of verse 9. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. It wasn't some work, and we'll see later that it wasn't the circumcision either. But I got to ask a question like, like, faith is what? Faith is what? Uh, thankfully, we actually have a, a, a Bible verse that is um, directly to defining what faith is, and it's Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says that faith, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, convictions, the conviction of things not seen. So great, we know what faith is. Now we need to know what that faith is being put in. I mean, that's a fair question, right? Okay, great, Abraham believed God. Like, believe God for what? In the seed of Genesis 3.15, I put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, the first promise of a Savior. So when Abraham believed God, what he is doing, man, am I getting hold of, ahead of myself? I am. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. Okay, so faith is in what? The seed of Genesis 3.15, the Son of God, the Redeemer, the Savior. So just a side note, like real quick. So this physical or this external circumcision is very similar to something else that we practice here today. And it is not, hear me, it is not an element of salvation, but it is an outward expression of an inward change. Okay? Baptism is symbolic of an inward change. Circumcision is a seal of the promise, never to be broken. And we'll talk about that a little while later. But the argument of, of verse 9, Paul makes this, salvation is both uh, to the Jew and to the Gentile, the insider and the outsider, and salvation is given on the basis of faith, never works. And throw up this slide. This is by a guy named Douglas Moo. But uh, he says, Paul appeals to Abraham to support his insistence that righteousness can be attained only through faith. Only through faith. 
Man, I can tell you like how many of you are on the spiritual treadmill trying to earn something that you've already been given. Grace again. So the argument has been introduced. Now the evidence is presented. Romans 4.10. How then was it righteousness counted to them? Like, how was it counted to them? Was it before or was it after he had been circumcised? Again, we're talking about Abraham. It was not after. It was before. So following God promising Abraham a son, Abraham believed God. Genesis 15, 6. This is really cool to see. I mean, obviously, Genesis 15 comes before 16, 17, 18, so just keep that in mind real quick. So Genesis 15, 6. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him, the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. So, so remember, as we're reading this in Genesis, Paul is addressing this misconception about circumcision and is now presenting that Old Testament evidence that he has to use when he's speaking to this Jewish body of believers. At least 13, but probably no more than 29 years pass since Abraham believed God. And then comes Genesis 17. We're going we're to read a few verses here, so bear with me. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, Abram, and said, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his faith, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of one nation. Oh, I got that wrong, didn't I? The multitude of nations. Verse 6, And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any circumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So, two things. First, the covenant. This was an unconditional covenant. This, this covenant required nothing of the recipient, okay? Like, God is like, listen, like, I am making this covenant with you here today. Like, I am going to do these things that I say, okay? For you and your descendants after you, 
So the sign of God's unconditional covenant with Abraham and his descendants was circumcision. And yes, the sign was circumcision on a man. Yes, it was a physical thing in the flesh, like he just said it, but it had such a deeper meaning. There's so many times in the Old Testament where God would physically do something, and it would point to something that would physically happen later. It is the same thing with circumcision. So yes, it was a circumcision of the flesh, but it was coming to a circumcision of the heart as well. So, this circumcision, it is a sign and the seal of the promise. It is a seal of, these, of this unconditional covenant, something that will never be broken. So, church, I want you to hear me. If you ever feel that you ever could ever fall from God's grace, if you ever feel that you could fall out of his family, do you not realize at that point of salvation, your heart becomes circumcised? Your heart has a seal. So when God looks at you, he remembers what he has done for you. Now, again, was there something required that Abraham had to do? No. God says, listen, I am making my covenant with you. He didn't say, did he list any requirements here? No. No. He is just having this sign being given to him so that it would be a constant reminder of God's promises. A God's pro- a promise of what? The blessing. And what is the blessing? It's forgiveness. Those wrongs in your life are remembered no more. So God wants you, the outsider, the undesirable, to be a part of this family. It's not just like, hey, you know what? Yeah, you can come along. It's like, dude, I want you. Grace, again. Uh, I borrowed this from a, from a friend. It's talking about the sign, the seal. So there's, there's, there's circumcision and there's baptism. And so, so both are a sign and a seal. It's a seal. It's a confirmation. It's a stamp. So um, imagine uh, with me, if you will, that we are all on our way to downtown Orlando, okay? And we come to the sign that says this. City limits of Orlando, or welcome to Orlando. Like, um, I realize I'm getting ready to let a lot of you down, but guess what? That sign is not Orlando. The sign points to something beyond itself. Are you beginning to follow me? The sign, whether it's a circumcision of the heart or circumcision of the flesh, it is a sign that points to something beyond itself. And it points to this covenant promise that God has made with his people, not just the Jewish people. So we're starting to learn here, it's not just the circumcised, but it's the uncircumcised as well. So it is a, the sign point, the sign of circumcision pointed beyond itself to the covenant promise that God had made with his people. Here's another example. God destroyed the world by flood. The waters receded, and Noah and his family emerged from the ark safely. Then God hung his bow to signify that his warring was over in the sky, and he promised Noah that he would never again destroy the world by water. This, or that is the promise, that is the promise, after flood will never wipe out the world. (laughs) Sorry. Every time it rains and the sun shines behind the raindrops, what do you see? The rainbow in the sky. 
For God said that this rainbow is a sign. And every time that he sees it, he is reminded of his promise. So man, so, so what can I take away from that? Well, I've got this sign, this seal on me. So when I screw up, and I do, when God looks at me, he's, he sees that seal and the circumcision of my heart. And he is reminded of his promise towards me. The promise of what? The blessing. So, circumcision was a sign of the promise of justification by faith alone. And so is baptism. It does not confer what it signifies, which is the promise of God to all who believe. But it is not only a sign, it's also a seal. And hear me on this, rest church. The term sealing in the scriptures is very important. The New Testament Greek word for seal goes back to the idea of a signet ring of the king. When the king issued a decree at the end of a document, he put wax paper, wax on the paper, and then took his ring and pressed down into it with the wax. And it became the seal, his seal, which identified the promise of the king. So the scriptures tell us that we who are in Christ are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are not just saved, we are sealed. God has put his in Delible mark on us. In the sacraments, God guarantees the consequences of justification to all who believe, not to all who receive the sign. Does it make sense? Just because you got dunked, just because you got chopped, doesn't guarantee God's promises. It's just a sign. So, for those of us that are in Christ, you are signed. You are sealed. You are delivered. Jesus, I am yours. Grace again. So, first part of verse 11. So he, Abraham, received the sign of circumcision as a seal. Are you beginning to see it? So he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by what? Faith, by believing, while he was still uncircumcised. So again, so he received the sign, he received the seal by faith. Faith is what? Is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. It is blindly believing in something, wholeheartedly believing in something. In what? The seed of Genesis 3.15, which is Christ. Believing in Christ. So he received the sign of circumcision as the seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was uncircumcised. Remember Genesis 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 15. Dude, that bro had faith. It was counted him as righteousness. Two chapters later, 13 to 26 years or so, then he received circumcision. So God was very intentional when it came to first counting Abraham as righteous and then, second, making the covenant with him, that he would be a father of nations, and then also giving him the sign of circumcision. So, let's throw up this slide, please. I think this is really, really cool. So, if you didn't hear it through my words, this is a summary of it. So, we cannot doubt that circumcision was delayed in order to teach 
the believing Gentiles of future ages, that's us, that, that they may claim Abraham as their father and the righteousness of faith as their inheritance, as our inheritance. So God intentionally delayed that circumcision so when the word came to us, we would be able to understand it's not the Jews and the Gentiles. It's talking about something completely different. Grace, again, I'm almost done. That was for me. So the argument was introduced. The evidence was presented. And now Paul is getting ready to rest his case. Second part of verse 11. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. You guys off to the side. So that righteousness would be counted to them, again, you guys on the side, as well. So the purpose, the purpose for all of this, the purpose of righteousness being counted to Abraham was to make him a father of faith. Not the author, but the father of faith. So God intentionally counted Abraham as righteous prior to circumcision. Why? And this is why Paul addresses the Gentiles in these verses, the uncircumcised first, so that you would follow Abraham's lead. Verse 12. And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. father of the circumcised, the Jewish people, not merely circumcised in the flesh, but also the heart, who also walk in the footsteps of faith. So again, the purpose, in order that he would be the father to all who believe, to all nations. So you are not of circumcision or Jewish, great. So you're not of the circumcision or a Gentile? Awesome. Like To the insiders, to the outsiders, welcome to the family of faith. Grace again. So, I'll hit this in a little bit. I'm going to break down like everything that we just talked about like as much as I can to make it as simple as I can. The only thing that you are responsible to do in order to be maybe in order to be made let me back up. The only thing that you are responsible to do in order to be made righteous before a holy God is to believe. The only thing that you need to do is believe. There will be some stuff afterwards, but man, that first step that you've got to take is you have got to believe. Be like Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But at that point that you believe, like he makes you, he makes me, he makes us, us outsiders, righteous. He makes us righteous, 
He takes those of you that are on a spiritual mountain. You guys know what I'm talking about. He takes those of you that are in the spiritual dump. He also takes those of you who have rejected him until today. And he makes you, at that point of belief, he makes you right with him. That thing that separated us from him, sin, at that point that you believe is gone to be remembered, remembered no more. If only what? If only we what, church? Belief. So God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin, so that you would be made the righteousness of God in him. Grace again. Grace again. So, as I was, I was thinking about my clothes for this, like, I was thinking about the believers first. And, and I will address the, those who don't second. But I was thinking about this. What you as a believer need to take from this passage of Scripture, from these four verses, is this. Do you realize, hear me, believer, do you realize that you are not a second-rate citizen in the kingdom of God? You are not. So, this, this understanding is foundational in your walk. Because, like, as we progress through the book of Romans, like, you're going to begin to recognize, like, who you are in Christ. You will be able to begin to see your identity in Christ. You will begin to see how really significant that you are in Christ. You will begin to, to see, you will begin to understand that you are sealed in Christ. This is the beginning of your victory in Christ. When you are having problems at home, when you're having problems at work, when you're having problems at school, when you are struggling with sin, when you are struggling with temptation, when you are having problems in your head, when you are all alone, you will be able to overcome because you are sealed in Christ. You will be able to overcome because you will recognize that you are a child of the King. You will be able to overcome because church, Christ in you is your strength. Realize today that you are in Christ. Grace alone. Grace again. Now I want to address those of you that are not believers. Uh, if you would please throw up this, this next verse from Romans. And I want you, what I want you to do, please, is just, just leave it up there. Um, I want you guys to see this verse. And I want you to let it sink in. This is Romans 8.16. It'll be up here in just a minute. It's very short. The Spirit Himself, God the Spirit Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God the Holy Spirit Himself, 
bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And just leave this up here because I want you to focus on this because of this statement that I'm getting ready to make. Because this is a serious question that I am burdened with asking you. Rather, you need to ask yourself this question. Because when we stand before him, I, I, I am not going to be able to help you. It's going to be you. So you need to ask yourself this question. Even if you think that you are a, Chris, a Christian, does the Spirit of God speak to your spirit confirming that you belong to him? I'm not talking about when you're on that spiritual mountain. I am talking about where you are in the lowest of lows, like you are in the dump. Does the Spirit of God, like, does it tell you, like, you on the inside, your spirit, like, yes, you are my child. Because folks, like if his spirit is not bearing witness with yours, there's some business that needs to take place today. God isn't looking for special people. He's not looking for super performers. He's not looking for uh, self-righteous. He is looking for the Jews, the Gentiles. He is looking for the circumcised, the uncircumcised. He is looking for the insiders and the outsiders. Man. So... Does the Spirit of God speak with your spirit, confirming with a shadow of a doubt that you belong to Him? I said this in the intro, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm speaking to you who do not or may not know Christ. When you thought that God's favor was unattainable, when you thought God's love towards you was unreachable, when you thought that your history permanently excluded you, when you thought that your current situation branded you an outsider, think again. Regardless of your circumstances, God's favor is attainable. Regardless of your circumstances, God's unconditional love is eternally present. Regardless of your circumstances, the blessing the permanent forgiveness is within reach. Regardless of your circumstances, God's unfathomable mercy and grace is freely given. If we just follow Abraham's lead and belief. So, grace again. Grace again. Uh, go ahead and bow your heads if you would, please. Um, what I want to do is, like, if you do not believe, if you do not know without a shadow, shadow of a doubt, that God's Spirit is speaking to yours, that you are a child of His, like, we need to talk. And if you're not going to talk to me, at least talk to Him. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, with no one looking around. If there is someone here who is not hearing that voice of God speaking to them that they are his child, like, 
Raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to make a spectacle out of it. I'm just going to pray for you. There's one. There's two. Praise God. There's three. I need you to repeat after me in your heart this prayer, and it is simple. Remember, just like Abraham, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Well, I tell you today, you three that raised your hands, today, when you say this prayer and you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are going to be made righteous as well. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's wrong in me. I know that this is a problem that has to be dealt with. And there is only one that can make it right. And that is your son Jesus, who I believe came. He led a sinless life. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. And I believe that he will come back to get me. I place my faith in the Son of God, Jesus, today. Lord, forgive me. I believe. In Jesus' name. If you need to talk to somebody as we worship, I'll be in the back. There'll be people up front, like, find somebody. If you want to talk, let's take care of some eternal business today. In Jesus' name.